0: Hey there, I'm Andy Molinsky. Welcome to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast, where we engage thought leaders about the challenges they have had in stepping outside their comfort zones in their lives and their work, and also advice that they have for young people interested in developing their leadership potential. This podcast is sponsored by Brandeis University's International Business School and the Perlmutter Institute for Global Business Leadership today I have a very special guest, uh, Emma Seppola. Emma is a research psychologist. Uh, She holds many titles. She's the science director of Stanford University's Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education. She's a co-director at the Yale College Emotional Intelligence Project where she teaches the psychology of happiness. She consults with Fortune 500 leaders. She's a prolific writer, her work has been featured in so many places I couldn't even name them all here, New York Times, Washington Post, and so on. Um, She does very, very interesting work and also has written the book, The Happiness Track, which you should definitely check out. And now, as of today, you have the ability to get it in paperback. So thanks a lot, Emma, for being with us today.
1: It's my pleasure, Andy.
0: And uh, great. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask you um, to tell us about a situation that's that's, um, been outside your comfort zone in your life, uh, in academics, in work outside of academics, whatever it might be. Um, You know, what was that situation? What was it like? Um, What were some of the challenges? And how have you tried to overcome them? We'll start from there.
1: Well, first of all, what an interesting question and a question that I'm now inspired to ask others because I'm sure it brings out so much uh, wisdom as well in people's experiences. So one of the hardest times of my life where I was really outside my comfort zone was a time when I was conducting a research study I was very passionate about. Um, I I could see that it could have tremendous impact on people's lives, um, people that were really suffering. And I was heart and soul into it. I'd spent years writing grants to finally get the funding to do the study. I finally could do the study. And as it was happening, um, I was going through a divorce suddenly and um, I was actually working in a place that was extremely antagonistic. It just a uh, very, very harsh, negative place, very unhappy workplace. But as a consequence, I was on the one hand doing this study that I was so passionate about. And on the other hand, everything was falling apart at my home. Things were falling apart in my workplace because um, it was as if everyone had turned that everyone has turned against me in um, some way and I had nothing to hold on to except I needed to keep the study going because it was, I knew it was going to be helpful for people and it really did end up being tremendously helpful. Um, and there were two things. So I, I, when I think back on that time, I think back upon it often, think, how did I do that? I remember losing a lot of weight, un- being unable to sleep. The stress was tremendous. Um, so there are a couple of things. For one, I really think um, that that passion I had to move the study forward somehow carried me through. And there's now research um, coming out on passion and how that can really help you surmount. Those really difficult times.
0: Actually, Emma, can, can I pause because this is a this is a great story. Uh, can you tell us just a before we get into how you know how you coped with the situation, which sounds like it was a really hard situation. Can you tell us just what the research study was?
1: You know, then it would let you identify too many details of what ah, I'm talking. Ah,
0: okay, about. So okay. Not. That's okay.
1: I um, <clears throat> just out of discretion for other people who might be involved.
0: Sure, that's um, fine. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, I, but when I often think about it, because I think it was one of the hardest times, um, yeah. really outside my comfort zone, because I literally had no one, no, no one to hold on to, and I was in yeah. a new city, so all my friends were in other cities, and yeah. you know, I could only have these phone friendships, really. Um, and there's only so much you can. You can share over the phone when you really need a hug or something like
0: that. Um, But but having that study, uh, so you were saying having that study, that was almost like something you could hold on to. That's what you're saying.
1: That helped me. I also have a dedicated meditation breathing yoga practice that I've been doing for 15 years. And again, that was a crutch. Somehow kept my nervous system just calm enough for me to get through. And then finally, I did a lot of volunteering in the the evenings with students and um, teaching happiness workshops. And they were my lifeboat. They were 10 years younger than I. And, um, but somehow together, talking about happiness and doing a lot of community service together and having these uplifted moments really helped me. So sometimes I'd be in tears one moment, but then I'd be with them and we would be doing these uplifting things and we would, you know they they were like my family Um, I didn't confide in them obviously they were much younger than I and I was a mentor to them but um, that also really helped me so basically that ability to have this opportunity to make a difference with them also was really 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 fundamentally nourishing and helpful.
0: So that's very interesting Um, so if I'm listening to you, it sounds like um, I want to talk about the yoga in a little bit because I actually did yoga as well. So we can talk about that. Um, But it sounds like volunteering and working with these students, did that give you some sort of sense of purpose? Like, yeah. And and say say a little bit about, about a sense of purpose amid a time that was so stressful. Why is having a sense of purpose important?
1: Absolutely. A sense of purpose will carry you through the difficult moments. I often think about that research um, that shows that parents uh, are not always the happiest, but they have this deep sense of meaning that actually makes them very fulfilled. So there's this, you know, sense of we may not always be joyfully bouncing around dancing in the woods, but there's a sense of purpose, a sense of passion, a sense of commitment, of meaning something that we're doing to make a difference, and that is very powerfully uplifting and upholds us in those difficult moments when we feel like we might otherwise
0: sink. So it's not about, you know, trying to put on a happy face, right? It's about um, kind of finding some sort of sense of deeper meaning, so you could be going through something that's hard, but, you know, find some source of meaning in it. I. It's interesting yeah. that um, you know, you talked about uh, a workplace that was really falling apart, and it sounds like parts of your life were falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, were you able to take any meaning from that, or was it more the idea that these other activities were a way for you to step away from that? Well,
1: the situations were what they were. Yeah. Um, the, the place I was at was very unhappy, everyone was unhappy there, mm-hmm. so um, it was just... That's just that there are places like that, unfortunately. Um, but they can make you stronger. And this is the thing if, if I had only been in this state of I'm going through a divorce and I'm really unhappy at my workplace, it's not a very positive place, then it, I could have turned the whole conversation, made it about me. Poor me you know, me, myself, and I, right? But they, I think that what really helped me was doing this study I was so passionate about that I felt could really make a difference. And then being with the students and and working to um, to uplift them and to do community service with them, those two things, my attention was turned, not, not just inward feeling sorry for myself, but it was turned outward towards groups and populations that maybe I could make a difference with. And together, um, those things really helped create a lot of resilience. Um, Within those moments, so that I, I didn't always just focus on myself, which I think might have might have turned out differently.
0: It's interesting. It reminds me of research that I did a while back, uh, where people had to perform necessary evils. We called them with my colleague Joshua Margolis at Harvard Business School, and we studied managers delivering bad news, laying off people, um, police officers evicting people from their homes. I did ride-alongs. You know, I watched the police officers do this. Um, Pediatric physicians performing painful procedures on children, and you know, I know offline we've talked a little bit about that too. Um, You know, I I always got the sense from these conversations with people in these very, very difficult, painful tasks um, that it's almost like part of the like their their sense of self could easily be fractured in those moments, and that in some ways, you know, having a sense of purpose kind of helped them put the pieces of themselves together. In and galvanized and oriented towards something that they cared about of course the sense of purpose has to be consistent with their values but you know in these cases it, it was they found a reason why these difficult tax t- tasks were you know worthwhile that's the necessary part of necessary evil so it sounds like i don't want to put words in your mouth but it sounds like for you that, that you described as a lifeboat but it really kind of it sounds like it kind of collected and glued together yourself <laughs> is that it too is that too metaphorical
1: No, I agree. I I think that sense of purpose and service, something beyond yourself, coupled with self-care. So that was the meditation part. I think, um, I think that part is is essential too, because, um, if you don't have the self-care piece, there's only so long you can go, um, as the energizer bunny that's running on empty. So that, that combination I think was really powerful and is really powerful, um, to, to, to help be more resilient. It also, there's also different pots in your life. There's, okay, there's work. Isn't this going that way? Great. Okay, there's relationship that's not going that great. But this is, the study's going great and the volunteering's going great. So it's like having, and the meditation's going great. So there's these different pots. So it doesn't always have to seem like, oh, my life is terrible, it's, you know, these two aspects are are not going that great for the time being. But these three really are. And that really helps create also some kind of balance
0: but you need to, to realize that you need to have that perspective. I think a lot of us, when we're experiencing something so difficult, you talked about like a toxic workplace or a toxic relationship or whatever it might be, our yeah. focus might be drawn in there, right? But what you're saying it sounds like is to widen and realize mm-hmm. that just like we have, I don't. this is probably a terrible analogy but just like we have stock portfolios with well good performing stocks and poor performing stocks right (laughs) so you can sort of see the whole landscape our lives are like that too in some ways it sounds like
1: it's so true And, and again meditation for me has helped so much with gaining that perspective because you sort of take a step away from the immediate emotions and you you gain perspective i mean i one thing i I do, and there's so much research on it now and it's been discussed so much, but that sense of gratitude, you know, and
0: I think about it. Tell us about that, because I'm not sure people listening know about, um, are you connecting meditation to gratitude or?
1: Well, I I think meditation really helps create a perspective because instead of being completely involved in your thoughts and feelings, you're observing them, so you realize you are not your thoughts and feelings. Um, But the sense of gratitude is um, just recalling the positive things that are happening in our life and we know from uh, from 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 research studies that three times more positive things happen to us every day than negative and yet we also know that due to the negativity bias, we're focused on that one negative thing that's happening. Or right. this. And so being able to maintain a sense of perspective and actually realism is to actually bring your awareness to the things that are going right and the more you do that, the more automatic it becomes and for me every day I find myself going about my day and thinking, Oh my goodness, I love my home. Oh my goodness, I love this. I love that. And just, it, it just naturally becomes, um, helps with perspective. And um, that, that's that been really helpful too, despite anything that can be going on. And honestly, there's always things going on in our lives. Every now and then there's uh, storms that happen. And it's that ability to stay centered and have perspective that is so helpful. I think we were just sharing before the call that We've been dealing with our, you know, some health issues with our son, and how, um, you know, it's easy to get lost in that, emotionally wrecked, and so forth, or coming back to a state of centeredness and gratitude and calmness, which is so much more helpful for the situation. So I've found that I've been in both places, and yet when I'm able to be in that centered space, it's it's just a better outcome for everybody.
0: Yeah. So meditation. I thought what you said about meditation is so interesting. Um, that that. That it, it if you can if you can achieve it, because I've tried it too. So I, I think I have a bit of a sense of of what it's like, but also the cha- At least from my perspective, the challenges of being able to actually do it yeah. well. I don't want to say well because that's probably not the right word in meditation. But to a, to achieve that that perspective on yourself. So if you're meditating, to be able to step outside yourself and not get consumed. Um, in your thoughts um, how how hard is that when you are so it sounds like it's a bit of a paradox because meditation is most critical when you're experiencing such difficult situations in your life but when you experience such difficult situations in your life it makes meditation perhaps most difficult to do do you know what I mean to actually step outside yourself so how do you how do you do that
1: well for one I would say <laughs> constant practice. I, practice. Mean, I, d- I meditate every single day. I also do breathing exor- yogic breathing exercises that really help to calm my nervous system, so my mind calms down. Um, <clears throat> and that I've been doing for 15, 16 years. And there's so many days when you're meditating and you just feel like there's so many thoughts in my head. This definitely can't be helping me in any way. I'm just sitting here thinking. Um, and it doesn't matter if you have that experience. I mean, over time, you're impacting your nervous system, your nervous system. I mean, think about it, during the day, we're running around, we're consuming over 35,000 gigabytes of information every day. This is from a 2009 study, and that was when the the iPhone had barely been out for a year. Can you imagine what it is now? We're taking all this information in, we're constantly barraged with input from our phones and computers and so forth and so on and there's such a need right now it's so revolutionary to sit down and close your eyes and do nothing in a sense but it's also to me it seems like we absolutely need that in order to be resilient because we are outside our comfort zone in this deluge of information that we're being assailed with that our ancestors even a hundred years ago didn't experience we're certainly not wired yet to know how to cope with all of this
0: so recharge our batteries, gain perspective, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so any any final advice to folks um, about stepping outside your comfort zone from your personal experience, your, your research, you've done so much research. Um, anything that you'd like to, to say to people watching this video around, around comfort zones and advice?
1: Well, I think we often are trying to escape how we're feeling. Um, Whether through food or through browsing our phones or Internet or there's so many so many ways that we do that because we don't we want to escape those negative feelings. And yet. um, that doesn't help because they don't actually go away Uh, and we have this in the United States in particular we just want to feel happy all the time we don't want to feel the negative which is actually not the case in other cultures where there's more of an acceptance that negative and positive go hand in hand if you didn't experience negative you wouldn't experience the positive as as much either Um, so cultivating that ability is going to make you more resilient and it's going to allow you to go outside your comfort zone learn new things Go into scary places, face fears, and grow as a person if you cultivate the ability to just be when you're feeling negative emotions. And again, meditation, yoga, breathing is, are great ways to do that, um, but also just the intention to face your fears. Um, you're scared of public speaking, great. Then schedule yourself for 10 talks in the next couple months, for example.
0: And then start meditating. <laughs> Yeah. You'll have a reason. You'll be motivated. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Uh, this is this is great. Uh, and um, and I know people will enjoy listening to this. So thank you, Emma. Thank you for listening to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast. If you're interested in learning more about comfort zones and the work I do, please visit andymalinsky.com, And you can also find all social media links there or by Googling my name, Andy Malinski. Also feel free to email me directly with ideas for future podcasts, questions, comments. My email is andy at Thank you so much for listening.